Hello and welcome to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. I'm your host Michaels and we've got a very special edition on tonight with the Brownlow Medal coming up. Uh, we have our resident Brownlow guru, ironically enough, who posts his thread on the main board once a year with all the Brownlow insight. So Brownlow guru, welcome to you. Hi, happy to be here. Uh, what we do with all of our guests, we usually just find out a little bit about them in terms of the team they support. So who do you actually follow in the AFL? <laughs> I, uh, I support the mighty Port Adelaide. I'm, uh, I'm a little tender at the moment. I uh, don't really want to talk too much about it. It was a very, very tough weekend. Yes, I'll, the only follow-up question I'll ask is how did you become a Port Adelaide supporter? Uh, I grew up in country South Australia in the Port Adelaide recruiting zone. So um, Port Adelaide's pretty, pretty well supported. This is the SNFL side, of course. Um, it was pretty well supported by across the state, but especially in the area where I grew up. So, um, yeah, following him since I was a kid. Um, had a lot of success in the 80s, a lot of success in the 90s. And, uh, you know, obviously I've been supporting him ever since they joined the AFL. And whilst we've only had the one premiership, it's been a pretty good ride for the most part, except for perhaps sort of five, six years ago where it got a bit ugly. But, uh, no, it's been good. And is the rivalry with Adelaide as big and as nasty as what it's made out to be down here? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I lived I lived in Melbourne for a bit, and I live in Sydney now, and um, the rivalry in Adelaide between Port and the Crows is, is genuine. Is um, There are strong reasons for that. I mean, Port Adelaide was the Collingwood of the SNFL, so already half the population hated them anyway. Uh, and then when... And they were the big, the big ticket in town, obviously. And then when the Crows were formed, and even that formation was uh, in some ways done because Port Adelaide was looking to join the AFL, um, straight away the Port supporters stayed sporting Port Adelaide in the SNFL and everyone else jumped on the Crows bandwagon. Um, and then Port continued to win SNFL premierships. And most Port supporters I know pretty much hated the Crows from day one. Um, a few of them sort of went, oh, look, I'll support the Crows. And after about six weeks where... You know, the newspapers just wanted to talk nothing but crows, and those who have been to Adelaide know this. It's it's saturation coverage to the nth degree. Um, and then once, I mean, it was the, it was the logical rivalry for the AFL to choose Port as the second team from South Australia, because you're either Port or you're not. Um, so, and as you probably know, there's probably 70% of South Australia would be crow supporters, and all the media is very pro crows, and Port's the definitely the little the little brother in the relationship, but um, you know, they've worked pretty hard, I think, growing their brand a bit more yeah, outside, I can they say. definitely um, have. And I, I suppose Port is starting to get a few more people in the media. I think Treadray's got a bit more influence now. Kane Corns, despite his hate for Richmond, he's in the media yeah. a bit more now. But So it is good there's more representation and it's not just Adelaide-centric. So I must admit, from a Melbourne perspective, I always enjoy watching the showdowns whenever you guys play each other. The atmosphere just looks unbelievable. Yeah, it is It is a big event. I haven't actually been to a showdown Um it's on, my, it's on my bucket list. I live in Sydney these days, so I don't get to Adelaide that often. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big event. And I've got friends here in Sydney who are Crow supporters, and we always catch up at the showdown. And It hasn't been much fun for me of recent, but uh, I'm sure the worm will turn soon. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get one back on them. Well, let's move on to what we're here for. So all about the Brownlow Medal predictions. So yep. how did you kind of get into doing the Brownlow Medal predictions? What sort of sparked your interest? Um, it was probably... Um, I think in 2003, um, Adam Goods won. It was a, actually the three-way tie, if I remember correctly. Uh, and I remember in the finals that year, the first week of the finals, which again was another Ivy Port Adelaide moment, they lost to Sydney in a, in a qualifying final. And Adam Goods' odds 
basically halved after that game, even though being a final, it didn't count towards the Brownlow. Uh, and it just seemed ridiculous that the, the Brownlow medal, which had already been effectively run, was still, the odds were quite varying. And they do tend to change a lot between the end of the season and, and the actual day of the count. Um, and the following year, um, 2004, I think most most pundits and bookies had Rewalt, Treadray and Judd as pretty much equal favourites. I think, in fact, Rewalt and um, Treadray were, were probably the two joint favourites, but Judd wasn't that far behind. Uh, and Judd absolutely smashed it in, and Rewalt and Treadray hardly pulled a vote, um, which again show that it's very much a midfielder's medal. Um, and so with so much variation there, I'm a bit of a maths geek, um, as you probably imagine, judging by my posts. Um, I just thought it'd be interesting to look into it and and really see what, for me, it showed that the past polling history was a really a big factor. You know, if you can see someone who's who's polled well in the past or someone who hasn't polled well in the past, you can usually extrapolate that to to their future counts. So I started playing around with a bit. And 2005 and 2006, even though the winners were were favourites, clear favourites that year, I think it was Cousins in 05 and um, Goods in 06. Um, I, I put together a bit of a model which seemed to which seemed to match up pretty well, um, not just the winners but but the placings around them. So uh, in 2007, when I sort of went through and did my calculations again, it it did show that um, in that year Gary Ablett was a really short favourite. I think he was probably even money. Um, and my model had Bartel at um, as, as a clear favourite. I can't remember what I what I had him at. You're probably looking at the post. Uh, and, you know, I, it all, everything that I saw seemed to point to the fact that Bartel would poll well. He had a history of polling well. He'd had a good season. The Cats had obviously won a lot of games. Avila at that point hadn't had a really strong polling history, even though he was a dominant player. Um, so I put my post up on Big Footy, um, copped a bit of flag, Everyone thought I was full of rubbish, and Bartel went in and won in a canter. Uh, and that obviously got a few people's interest, and I've kept posting every year since then. And um, as we were talking a little bit about before, it's, it's generally a reasonable guy. I think it's a, I think it's as good a guy as you can get. It's certainly, I think it's a better guy than you'll find in other places and, and through the bookies in the market. Um, if you look on my um, posts on Big Footy, I, I do show the history of, I've been doing it every year since 2007, so... Um, yeah, the, the results are there for people to look at. Absolutely, and obviously, there's obviously a mountain of work that goes into all of this. Um, so, what is kind of involved? Like, what do you, what data do you collect, and the analysing, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so um, the, the the nuts and bolts of it is is, is every game is analysed. Uh, from every game, I've identified some some factors that are, um, you know, important to to, to polling. Um, you know, if you think of it, you know, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's based primarily on stats. There is a bit of um, subjective viewing as well. Um, and effectively, I'm able to give usually between sort of six to ten players uh, a probability of, of, of getting the three votes and the two votes and the one vote for that game. And that's based on a number of factors such as disposals, you know, where they're playing, um, the result of the game, um, you know, all, all those type of things you'd expect to to filter into to doing this calculation, uh, and then with that result that I get from every game, I'm then able to simulate the season across the 198 games in order to work out um, the probability for for each player to to sort of poll 
through the season in order to get wins and top threes and top fives. And there's a fair amount of calibration that goes into it based on their polling history and, you know, the probability of a team getting three votes, two votes or one vote. They win by 20 goals. You know, teams, uh, players generally poll better if they're at home. And that's probably, I think, because the crowd is more likely to cheer on Dusty at the MCG than they are to cheer on um, Robbie Gray, whereas they're playing in Adelaide Oval the other way around. Um, so there's a, there's a number of factors to go into it, but essentially I go through, run simulations, run it. I think I've done about 250,000 for, for this year. And from that, you can sort of say, well, based on that, um, this player's going to win X amount of times. And that really reflects their, their true odds as I see it. It's extremely thorough. That's unbelievable to hear about that. Um, and you obviously, you put your own version of odds against your calculations. How, how yep. do you sort of work out your odds? What's that? Sort of number well, that's from. that's through the simulation. So if we if we run a thousand simulations and my model shows that um, uh, Dangerfield's won six hundred of those, then his odds would be a dollar sixty six, which is a thousand divided by six hundred. Um, so that's that's what it does, and it goes through and and you know if, if you if you run it two hundred fifty thousand times, then you'll have a lot of different players who um, will come up as as having different odds. So that's that's. The, really the way to do it and and those as I said there's a fair amount of calibration that's gone in to work out how much to attribute those things how much to assign random uh, not random or sort of pseudo random values in order to, to get different results every time um, you know you find that if someone like Clayton Oliver for example who, who doesn't have much of a way of a polling history um, we don't know whether the umpire is going to like him or not like him so there's a lot more variation in his results than there would be in someone like Gary Ablett, who we know that the umpires are going to recognise, and you know if he plays really well, he's going to get the three votes, um, and if he doesn't play well, then he's you know, still a chance of sneaking one here or there. Okay, no, that's that's fascinating. All right, we'll get stuck into it. So we'll start with um, the top ten prediction. What 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 did you sort of have for the top ten? Well, it's um, it's really interesting this year because um, with uh, with Dangerfield being suspended, um, we've got Martin as as, as a clear favourite. Um, sorry, I'm just actually opening up. I haven't got it open in front of me. Sorry, I haven't prepared very well. But yeah, I've actually got this year, surprisingly, uh, and it's not what the bookies think. I've actually got it that um, the person who's most likely to poll the most votes is actually Dangerfield. Um, now, that's that uh, surprised me when, when that came out. Um, he's actually sort of a two-to-one. Um, so I've got him, I've got, for every three simulations, effectively, I've got Dangerfield winning two. And, and Dusty winning one, um, but if you take um, if you take Dangerfield out, which obviously we are with um, with this year, then um, we've got um, Dusty winning it pretty much 95% of the time. Um, there's not anyone else who's who's likely to come close to him. Um, so for Richmond supporters, that's that's pretty good uh, pretty good news. You're a fair chance that uh, he's going to take it home this year. Um, I can't see. Really, um, the play, only players who I can see as being a, a half a decent chance to get to win it other than him. So Dusty Martin, 95%, is Tom Mitchell and Josh Kelly, and they're both pretty much the same at 44 to 1. So, you know, there's a 1 in 44 chance that Tom Mitchell will get it, 1 in 44 chance Josh Kelly will get it. And then after that, it's Sloan at 300, Taylor Adams at 2,700, Clayton Oliver at 3,800. And then I've got Bontempelli, Ross, uh, Beams from Brisbane, uh, and Josh Kennedy. So they're my top 
10 eligible players to to win. Wow, so it does drop off quite a bit, doesn't it? After yeah, it's it it, it he's the strongest favourite we've seen ever. Well, well, at least in the 12 years that I've been modelling it. Yeah, um, he's he's actually I'm expecting him to be about eight votes clear of um of second place, Mitchell or Kelly. That's yeah, that, that's a huge margin, isn't it? Well, that's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out between Danger and Dusty. Uh, the other yes. one. So, so the interesting thing about that is um, with, with Dusty and Danger, um, and the thing that intrigues me about it is that um, Dangerfield got suspended in round 19, I think it was, 18 or 19, uh, and at that point they were, they were both even. Um, now, what my model doesn't do is it doesn't get into the head of umpires. I do have a sneaking suspicion that the umpires will, will probably not rate Dangerfield as highly after he got suspended. I don't think anyone really wants to see a suspended player win the Brownlow. So it'll be interesting to watch uh, in his last couple of games whether the umpires just knock his two votes down to a one or his three down to a two. And if they do that, then, then Martin should win because they are pretty close. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it would, yeah, the AFL definitely don't want that um, that to happen again. So it would just cause so much outroar, it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. The other one you usually post up is your top three... Oh, sorry, you usually look at a top 20 for the top three placings. Yep. Is there any more variation in that than what you had for the top 10 for the outright winner? Uh, yeah, they're more or less the same. Um, there is, as I sort of mentioned before, there are some players who um, have a higher, um, going or geeky math speak, have a higher standard deviation in that they're, they're more likely to poll really high and they're more likely to poll really low. There's, there's a bit more variability in them. Um, and Clayton Oliver's example I gave of that. So whilst he's effectively sixth favourite to win in my book, he's third, fourth, seventh favourite for the place, the top three, uh, and he'd be about eighth or ninth in the in the top ten. So the the top three I have are Martin, Mitchell, Kelly, Sloan, Adams, Bontempelli, Oliver, Ross, Kennedy, Beams, and I think that was the same as, as what I had before. Uh, and the top fives more or less the same. I think Kennedy and Ross swap over, but they're they're almost identical. So that gives you a fair idea. There's actually a, a quite a bit of a gap between um, Mitchell and Kelly versus um, the guys, Mitchell, Kelly and Sloan, sorry, and the guys below them. So I've actually got, if you look at the, there's actually sort of three bands this year. There's there's Martin and Dangerfield who are, who are streets ahead of everyone else. There's Mitchell, Kelly, Sloan and, and Zach Merritt, who's ineligible as well. They're in the next group of four. They're all reasonably similar, with Mitchell and Kelly just slightly ahead of those. Uh, and then, then once you get down to sort of the next group, you can throw a blanket over them. Well, that's pretty good insight. It's yeah, definitely going to add to my Monday night watching it. And the other one that I suppose people usually like to have a look at is the the possible top four top four vote getters for each club. So, um, again, I, I can go through, I've, I've got my sort of club, um, similar things with the club. So, in Adelaide, Sloan's miles ahead is a 98% chance of winning that. Um, then there's Crouch, Laird and Jacobs. For Brisbane, it's uh, Dane Beams and Zorko. There's not much between them. Dane Beams is 55%, Zorko's about 45%, and Rockliffe's 1%. So, there's there's... there's pretty much no one behind those. Uh, 
Steph Martin's probably the next likely, but he's he's way behind those three. So Beam, Zorko, Rockliff, Martin, Carlton. I've got Murphy, Doherty, Gibson, Cruiser, and they're all reasonably close. Murphy's at sort of forty percent, and Cruiser's at twelve percent, and Doherty and Gibson in between. Uh, Collingwood, I've got Adams pretty clearly from Trelaw, Pendlebury, then Sidebottom. Uh, Essendon, I've got Zach Merritt, massive favourite from um, Saharakas, Heppel and Danaher. Uh, Fremantle, there's not much between Neil and Fife. I've got Neil just ahead of Fife. Uh, and then Walters, and then a big gap back to Brad Hill. Uh, Gold Coast is Gary Ablett way ahead. Um, and then it's Lions, who I think is at reasonable value, I think. I haven't checked recently, but I don't think he's got a lot of um, notice like most Gold Coast players. Lions, Hall and Lynch. Um, for Geelong, Dangerfield by by how far? Um, I've only got two, two possible winners there. Duncan's at one in 250,000. Um, GWS, Kelly's miles ahead there. Then Shield, Ward and Cameron. Hawthorne, I've got Tom Mitchell miles ahead there. For, um, Gunston's hardly even a chance, but he's next. Uh, Kangaroos, there's not much between Higgins and Brown. We then go to Cunnington and Goldstein. Uh, Melbourne's got Clayton Oliver, clearly ahead about 70%. And then Nathan Jones, Hibbard, and Tom McDonald. Uh, Port's got Robbie Gray, and then not much from Wines, Ebert, and Ryder. Uh, I'll come to Richmond last. Um, St Kilda's got Ross, Stephen, Billings, and Robertson. Ross is a pretty clear favourite there. Sydney's got Franklin at about 60%, then Sorry, Kennedy at 60%, then Franklin Parker, and then a fair bit back to Hanbury. Uh, the Bulldogs have Bontempelli, pretty clear, then McRae, and then back a bit further to Dalhouse, and then way back to Hunter. Uh, and West Coast have Josh Kennedy to win from Sam Mitchell, Shuey, and Gaff. Uh, there's quite a few there. Um, now, with Richmond, I've got uh, Dusty Martin winning that in... Uh, 99.999% of the time. Uh, next most likely is, is Cochin, one in over 200,000. Uh, and then Rewalt and Rance would make out the four there. Okay, interesting. The one that probably stood out to me uh, was Gary Ablett. I know there was a bit made of him winning the best and fairest, playing not many yep. games. Did that result surprise you? Uh, not really. He's got a, he's, he's got a pretty good... Um, since he's been to the Gold Coast, he's got a pretty good history of polling up there. I think that's as much a factor as the other players don't have much of a profile. Um, you do have to remember the umpires, whilst they're not biased, they do they do live and train in Melbourne, so they don't get exposed to um, you know the Gold Coast guys who are who are pretty um, who are pretty low on the radar of anyone bar Gold Coast supporters really. So um, with his profile, I think. A good game for Gary at Gold Coast will we'll put him in a, ahead of um, the other guys up there. Which is not to say, I mean, Prestia used to poll pretty well up there. Um, I'm interested to see how Jack Martin polls. He's had a pretty good year. Uh, he might be someone who catches their eye and does quite well. I've got him sixth in, in, in their vote uh, catching. Hall got a lot of votes last year early on. So, um, you know, it's not impossible for him to poll well, but um, for someone else to win. But um, Gary's had a pretty good season. The games he has played, he's, 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 he has scored very well. 
Uh, okay, well, we'll push on to the last thing we want to do is you were kind enough to offer to go through Dusty round by round and just give a bit of an indication <laughs> on how many votes you think you might get, just for all the, the Richmond people out there on the board that I'm no doubt will be hanging out to hear this. Yeah, so look, it's, it's going to be a good night for a Richmond supporter, I think. Um, I've got him polling anywhere between 45 and 18. 18's an absolute minimum. I expect him to get in the order of 32 to 35. Um, I expect Martin to get around, sorry, Dangerfield to get around there as well. And that's back to Mitchell, Kelly and Sloan around 22, 23. So um, he should have a pretty sizable gap early on the night. Then you guys can sit back, have a drink and enjoy the show. As long, um, as long as he doesn't sit back and have a drink, and cause if, he has, <laughs> if he has to give a speech, he's he's getting better. But we'd rather yeah. him do that with a clear head, I think. Yeah, they won't be serving Chinese food at the uh, town, will they? I don't think so. No, <laughs> yeah, so it should be fine then. Yeah, chopstick-free zone. <laughs> All right, so if I so if I go through the rounds, you're yep. you, okay. So round one was versus Carlton. We won by forty-three points. Yeah, so I've got him clearly clear favourite to win the three votes. I've got him at about. Um, uh, at about an 85% chance of doing that. Um, the only one that's likely to get it from him would be Prestia, um, but I'm expecting him to get three votes uh, for that game. He's the most likely guy to get three votes in round one. Round two was versus Collingwood. We won by 19 points. Yeah, I've got Cochin most likely that, that week. Um, I've got him fifth in my um, in, in, in my chances, so... Um, if he if he polls one vote, then then you're you're pretty much on your way. But uh, it's more likely that he won't in round two. Round three versus West Coast, we won by eleven points. Uh, and round three versus West Coast, again, I've got him as a really strong strong chance to get the three votes that round. Um, the only one that might take it off him would be Cochin, who had a reasonable game. Um, and because it was close, there's a chance that Gaff or Shuri might. But again, I've got him at about a eighty two percent chance of getting the three votes that week. Round four versus Brisbane, we won by 52 points. Um, yeah, no, he's, he's he's not on my radar at all. Uh, I think it'll be most likely Jack Rewalt. It's about a 50% chance of getting the votes that round. Uh, Cochin, Rockliffe or Grieger a chance to get, um, sort of to make up the numbers with that one as well. Either of those guys could get the three, really. But I haven't got Dusty anywhere close in round four. Round five versus Melbourne, we won by 13 points. Uh, again, he's he's fifth uh, fifth in line there. I've got Jack Rewalt as the best chance, about a 55% chance. Uh, Nankervis is a 33% chance, and then Oliver and Hibbert are ahead of him. He's, I've got him as a as a as a sneaky chance to get one vote um, in that one, but uh, more likely than not. Round six versus Adelaide, we lost by 76. No, I got no chance. No chance. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no. I've got if if a Richmond player's Lucky enough to snag a vote, it'll be Cochin, not Martin, for that one, unfortunately. No, that's fair enough. Round 7 versus Western Bulldogs, we lost by 5 points. Yeah, look, I've got him as a, as a, as a good chance to get 1. Um, I've got Bontempelli as the clear favourite in that one, and I've got Dalhouse as the second favourite. Um, he's the only Richmond player I've got in the top 5, so um, given it was a close game, um, the umpires might might see him favourably. Um, so I, I would, I'd suggest he's probably going to get 1, but there's there's no reason why he couldn't get two. Unlikely to get three, though. Round eight versus Fremantle. Lost by two points. Yeah, this was peak Richmond, wasn't it? This was when you're um, having a terrible time. I've got uh, Walters, really clear favourite to win that one. Uh, and I've got Martin down at sixth. So he's behind. If, if a free, if a Richmond player is going to get it, 
I've got him well behind Rance and Grieg, who are third and fourth, most likely to get votes in that game. And to continue on our run of close losses, round nine versus GWS, lost by three points. Yeah, I've actually got him as the favourite to get the three. Um, if the games if the games are close, um, then you know the umpires aren't afraid these days to give it to the losing side. Um, I've got him as a 60% chance to get the three. I've got um, Josh Kelly as a 20% chance, and I've got Rance as a as a 15% chance. So I think those three will will, will pretty much share the votes, and um, I think Martin will get the three for that one. Round 10 versus Essendon, we won by 15 points. Um, what do we have here? Yeah, look, I've got him favourite again for that one. Uh, about 66% chance of getting the votes there. Um, next most likely is uh, Trent Cotchen and Brandon Ellis isn't far behind either. I've got, I've got, I've got five of the top six being Richmond. I, I can't remember if that was, um, it was 15 points. So I would have thought that some Essendon players would, may have thought out. I've got Zaharakis, the highest of the Essendon guys in fourth. Round 11 versus Kangaroos, we won by 35 points. Yeah, I've got him big chance to get the three there, 80, 80-odd percent chance. Round 12 was the bye, so round 13 was versus Sydney. We lost by nine points. Yeah, I have him down at the sixth most likely. I've got Heaney and Rance and Lloyd all all more likely to get the votes. Um, Newman and Julia, it's actually really close. There's five. Those five guys are all between sort of 20% and 16% chance of of getting the getting the three votes, but there's a bit of a gap from them to Martin, so I think it's going to be a raffle amongst those guys for the for the votes. Round 14 versus Carlton, we won by 26 points. Yeah, I've got a clear favourite there again, um, a 60% chance. Round 15 versus Port Adelaide, your mob, uh, we won by 13 points. Oh, that was yeah, that was that wasn't a good day. Um, we've got him a clear favourite there at 75% to get the three votes from Lambert, with Wingard being a slight chance. Round 16 versus St Kilda, we lost by 67 points. Yeah, you've got not much chance. Zero chance. We, we yep. were disgusting yep. that day. Yep. Round 17 versus Brisbane, we won by 31 points. Yeah, I've got him as the clear favourite there as well, about a 75% chance of getting the three. Um, the only one likely to steal that off would be would be Cotchard. Round 18 versus GWS, we won by 19 points. Yeah, so at the end of round 17, just just out of interest, is that's when I have Dangerfield about four to five votes ahead of Martin, and that's the biggest gap. So he starts reeling him in from here. I've got him getting three votes against the Giants. I've got him as a, as a 82% chance of doing that. Um, so that's when he starts coming back. Round 20 versus Hawthorne, we won by 29 points. Did you miss round 19 versus Richmond, Gold Coast? Uh, I, possibly, Gold Coast, won by 33 points. I've got him as an 80% chance for that one from, from Paul and Cotton. Okay. Uh, round 20 versus Hawthorne, won by 29 points. Uh, I've got him as a sneaky chance for one, um, but he's fourth in the fourth most likely behind Caddy, Lambert and Prestia. 21 versus Geelong, we lost by 14 points. Uh, yeah, I've got nothing. Didn't didn't fire a, fire a shot. Um that's that's one of the ones I'm going to be looking at or talked about before with Dangerfield because I've got not much between him and Harry Taylor. Um, so we can see how the umpires see that. Gee, it'd be hard to look past Harry Taylor, wouldn't it, after the effort he put out for that game? Yeah, I, I mean Harry, being a being a defender usually polls okay. I don't know how well he polls as a forward with that role change. So that'll um, that'll be interesting to see as well. 
round 22 versus Fremantle. One, we won by 104 points. Uh, yeah, I've got him a good chance to get the three. I've got him a 60% chance to get the three from Grigg or Townsend. I was, I was about to ask about Townsend. That, that's interesting that he does come into calculations for that one. Yeah, so I've got him as a as a good chance to get one vote in that game, and that's the first time he's, he's on the radar. I don't know if he, yeah, he's, he's a slight chance to get a vote in the last round as well. Yeah, I, well, that was his first game. So, yep. he was, um, And then round 23 versus St Kilda, we won by 41 points. Yeah, the Dusty Show finished off in style. I've got him as a 65% chance of getting the three votes uh, from Grigg in that game. Okay, so just in summary again, so what kind of votes range do you believe he might end up in? Just if if I, I would expect him to be uh, between thirty two and thirty five. Well, there you go, Tiger fans, and it doesn't sound like there's going to be any shock winners this year like there has been in the past. It seems like it's you know almost a sure thing that either Dusty or Danger will poll the most votes, but Danger obviously being ineligible. Yeah, yeah. So look, I think it will be it will be interesting if. Um, if, if Dangerfield wins, um, it's 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 interesting with with Brownlow medalist the following year. Um, I've done some investigation into it. If if the Brownlow medalist wins and is and is seen as a worthy winner and is generally a good bloke, then it doesn't affect their future polling. If they are seen as an as an unworthy winner, like the umpires have in brackets got it wrong, then they're usually punished the following year. Uh, and we've seen that with Bartel. We saw that with. With Judd, after he won in 2010, in 2011 he, he he struggled big time. But you know, someone like Robert Harvey didn't matter for him. He was a he was a worthy winner, um, and you know, backed it up. Um, it depends on whether the umpires see Dangerfield as a worthy winner, which I think he was last year, uh, whether they see him as a good bloke or whether they think he's a bit of a knob. Um, so I don't know how we 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 calculate the knob factor in my calculations, but uh, I personally think he is a knob, so I think he might struggle a bit, and that's why I. Even though my model is showing Dangerfield's more likely to to beat Martin, I I'm, I'm not going to put my house on that. Fair enough. And is there do you reckon there's any kind of reason as to why Fords and backs don't poll votes? I mean, Alex Rance, for example, for for us, he would be by far one of our most important and best players, and he does it on a weekly basis, like with his defensive work. But will struggle to get any more than ten votes. Yeah. Look, I, there's there's a number of factors. I mean, obviously, it, it's a midfielder's medal. Um, you know, they, they, they're in front of the umpires, they're doing the hard work. Um, you know, their they're, they're visibility is high. If you've got um, tats or, you know, blonde hair or all those sort of factors that um, make you noticeable, then then it's only going to help your um, ability to, to appeal to the umpires. I mean, there are other things that, you know, stand out, like um, players who, who both get a lot of frees and even those who give away a lot of frees, they often generally poll quite well. Someone like... Um, Liberatore senior who won the Brownlow medal, he he was the leading free frees against for the season, um, and that seemed to be uh, an interesting factor that um, uh, affected his ability to to poll well. Um, and Dusty, you know, he's a he's very noticeable. You always know where he's on the field. You know, he's he's don't argues, and he's you know his, his bullocking style obviously appeals to the umpires. He was he was actually um, on my radar. Over, a couple of years ago, someone who who generally polled well, polled more than you would ex- expect the raw numbers to suggest. Um, so that coupled with a dominant season meant he was always going to have a, a massive year. Um, and I can't see any reason uh, why he the umpires won't won't give him the votes he deserves uh, on Monday in two weeks' time. 
Oh, this should be a, definitely an interesting watch, and fingers crossed it does get over the line for us. But um, Brownlee Guru, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your expertise. I very much appreciate it, and I'm sure the Tiger fans will love to hear about all that. Been a pleasure. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Woody Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!